Feeling well, feeling well. It's okay. Can't you tell? No, join me. I'm feeling well. Feeling well. With Ralph and Lloyd, Woo! we are the boys. Yeah, yeah, We're and girls. Feeling well. And the sisters. Tonight. Though that's ironic because Lloyd is not here. This is actually the first episode I'm recording um, as of Lloyd's recent fortnight length hiatus. He's left, you know, he's he's taking a two week break because apparently he has more important things to tend to than his podcast. He's like, oh, wow, Ralph, well, you know, I'm uh, having all these people come over, you know, they're helping me build a deck. I'm, I'm, you know, this house, I I really want to make it work. You know, it's 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 make or break like this house. It's it's my project. This is going to make me be a person. And I'm like, Lloyd, buddy, look at me. Yeah, I'm, I'm listening. You will never be a person, dog. But he's like, no, but I, I feel I should. Dude, so whatever, for whatever reason, he's so busy renovating his new house in, in Vermont with his two fucking, he has these two cats. Uh, by the way, uh, welcome to the show, Feeling Well, I'm Ralph. I'm here with, we'll get to who I'm with, but um, I show, I'm here with uh, 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 Amanda and Sammy, my two sisters. We're doing a bit of a, of a, of a, of a, of a sister round table. Sister, Ooh. sister. That's right. That's very good. You will we'll, we'll sing a ladish. I like to introduce more singing to the show. Sister, sister. See, when I listen to music, especially Drake, I've talked to Sammy about this. Yes, we have. I like to add notes. I like to add vocals. Mm-hmm. Like when Drake's like, like what's a Drake song, Sammy? Oh, Hotline Bling. He's like, I know when that hotline bling, like I'll chime in, oh, oh, you know, <laughs> you know yeah. I know that can mean one thing. Oh, 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 I like to imagine myself like Drake, like the shot is like you have the studio, right? Right. And the shot's closing in and you have Drake with just like the spotlight and it's shimmering off the mic onto him. And he does the main part. He is the main guy. But like in the meanwhile, over his shoulder, out of focus, you see me, you know, I'm wearing a tracksuit, bling. I have sunglasses on inside. You can tell I'm on several things, but I'm just kind of waiting. <laughs> I'm just kind of bobbing, waiting for my moment. He's like, I'm the main guy here. And then I come in. Oh, like touching my ear, doing that. So that's what I like to do. I like to add just a little flavor to songs. I like to participate. I just want to participate. Is that so fucking awful? But we're doing like a bit of a, uh, uh, as I said, like a sister round table, right? Right. You, you look bored already. No, you- I was just thinking about how, you know, I was trying to chime in. Now I got it. <laughs> you got it. A big part of our generation, you know, with artists, they'll have like a little intro, right? An ad lib. Like, yes, remember Drake's Lil is, Wayne? Yeah. He Drake's would just is, he would just light a flame to his joint. Yeah, the... Wheezy, baby. Yeah, but Weezy everyone F- would baby. know that. Well, Drake, Drake, his, I know Drake's so well. And I will add ad libs to songs like Drake. It's like, uh, Sammy, can you give me a Drake-esque beat? Uh, oh, God, what's a Drake-esque beat? Um, just like wow. <laughs> okay, wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Drake. Drake, he has like soundscapes. Then he has a little. Just give me any beat. Okay. Okay, keep going. I'm listening to it. 
Yeah. Okay, this is my rap verse. You know, like he does the he does the yeah. Right? That's <laughs> but then Lil Wayne would come in and be like, "Young Moolah, baby." A lot, a lot of tags. Yeah. Yeah. And the, but you would memorize those. Yeah, and like Jay Z would do yup. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yup. I got it from here. Yay! Damn. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Easy. Like you, you, like you memorize those little snippets. Absolutely. And that's how I approach before a lot of people don't know this because I edited it out but before I, was, I start podcasting. I do that. Like as <laughs> we're getting up, I'm like, I'm like, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Easy F, baby. You try out a few. Yeah, if anything like, lands. Well. <laughs> <laughs> what, what you saying? If one lands, then, you know, it's good. If, if it lands, yeah, you said you mind. try out a couple of few, and if if one lands, oh, then yeah, every single one is essential. But that's oh. just, for me. Oh, well. just to put me in the right mm-hmm. the mind, mind states. But we're doing like we're doing a sister roundtable because Lloyd is too busy renovating his home and gigantic fingers uh, investing in his future <laughs> like a, a a fucking loser. Uh, but so we're doing like kind of sister roundtable and visiting my mother for Mother's Day. So here I have my uh, sister Amanda and my sister Sammy. Hello. Sister Roundtable. Hey, yes, Sister Roundtable. I like because it kind of sounds like um, like an all black lady chat show kind of, right? Like, welcome to the Sister Roundtable. I'm Ronique, and, and, and joining me today is right. Why are you guys falling away from me? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say anything offensive. <laughs> this is Amanda. This is Samantha. This is so let's do another introduction. <laughs> So I see right now you're 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 petting your your beloved dog. David. I am. So we, <laughs> you guys don't know, but here on feeling well, uh, I've I've talked to Lloyd. Uh, oh, oh, look. okay. So we're, we're, we're currently in a room. Uh, Sandy and Amanda are sitting across from me, and I have to my right Wesley. More on that, and to my left Damon. So we got we got dogs in the crib as we're recording, as we're making content. Um, yeah, I see. What do you do? Don't you just, they can't see you. This put it, is a sound put it up to his breath. <laughs> okay. right, yeah, I'll put the microphone up to Damon. This is Damon. Uh, so, Damon, how do you feel about uh, the Israeli-Palestinian <laughs> conflict? <laughs> wow, that's 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 pretty shocking, Damon. I wouldn't have taken you for a rank Zionist. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, hold on. He has more thoughts. Hold on. <laughs> Wow, unbelievable. It's my chest. God damn, Damon. <laughs> Damon, those are famous views. I do not share them. I do not share them. I believe that Israel is, is an apartheid state. And um, I believe in the free Palestine. Wesley, what, what do you think? Wow, silence. You see, I almost, I almost hate that more. Because at least Damon says his views unapologetically yeah, like yeah. he takes a stance however uh horrendous <laughs> no backbone and, wesley and indifferent to human suffering but wesley is more of he's he's a neville chamberlain but he's not going to take a stance okay god damn you wesley wesley it's god you who you. makes no change that's right that's right that's <laughs> wesley so. if there were if there were a golden retriever holocaust <laughs> You would, you would be, what do they call it, a Sondra Commando. You'd be one of the, the golden retrievers that feed your own people into the oven. Pick a side, West. Pick a side. Anyway, I apologize for that Holocaust reference. That was uncalled for. But, but anyway, uh, so what was I saying? Yeah, you guys are here. Um, I've, we've talked a lot 
me and Lloyd about pet ownership and dogs. And I've received a lot of pushback because what you guys have to appreciate is that I've, I've expressed skepticism as regards people who are like obsessed with their pets, but you guys are not on Twitter. I don't know what kind of relationship you guys have to social media, but there's like a lot of like, like what I resent are people who are like, Oh my God, I just love animals more than people. And some people take that to like, I, I can appreciate that is just kind of like, uh, a rhetorical thing to say, like kind of a backdoor way of expressing like, oh, I just love animals. And if, I, I think that if someone has like a true, like a tried and true affinity for animals, that does indeed speak to their um, empathetic capabilities. But I just think a lot of people, they're like addicted to the internet. They're antisocial. They don't want to put in the work of being a person. So they obsess over their pets because the love you get from a pet is easy, you know, mm. the, the love you get from a pet is, is, uh, uh unconditional. Um, so I feel like a lot of people just kind of take it too far and, but they may not only take it too far, but they position it as if it means they're like nicer people or it's like, well, does it necessarily make you nicer, especially if it's coming at the expense of the work you put into knowing other people? You know what I mean? Do you ever right. encounter people like that? Right. Well, typically, if they're introverts, right, they don't really like to talk with new people. So it's easy to say, oh, well, I'm more of an animal person than a people person. And I think that that's because, like you said, animals and that bond comes naturally, right? Because sure. there's that there's that disconnect between communication, right? We're lacking communication skills. So yeah. really what you're going off of is energy and not to get all hippy-dippy, but that's exactly what it is for me, at least. You know, I am in that field of working from an animal to human bond and utilizing that for therapeutic reasons. So... Do you, you know, want to, do you want to outline that more, what you do specifically? Do so, to... yeah, I work at a um, ranch that I do some counseling as well as utilizing the human to animal bond with horses. So basically people will come and spend 45 minutes with me in a setting that's less traditional than just being in an office with the therapist, you know, face to face. It's a little less intimidating. A lot of people see, you know, therapy as sitting on a couch and they're just drilling you with questions being outside, enjoying the outdoors, you know, utilizing that bond that you share with an animal makes it less, you know, formal. Right. So that makes it more, you know, free for you to talk about how you're feeling is essentially um, the basis of that. So, so basically what you do is that like you have them do tasks related to like treating a horse or yeah. what? Like, like So I can give you an example. So based upon last week, I can pick upon a session I had. So a lot of times people come in and they're working on anxiety, um, depression, um, self-esteem. So what I do is a lot of times you have to build on how to work with the horse. So a horse is, you know, a huge animal. They're intimidating, right? right? Yes. So what I have they them do... They only respond to pain, I remember hearing. <laughs> they only respond to pain. They're not that intelligent of animals, I've heard. Is that really? Right? Like, they only respond hmm. to pain. That's why you have, like, the spurs on the boots, classically. Mm, I, I don't think that's true. Not I that think that's that, humane. Yeah. They're not as smart as, like, a dog, is all I'm saying. They're I think like... that they are very based on energy. Um, They could definitely read how you're feeling. Mean, like, if somebody's riding Vibes. a horse, yeah. right? So if somebody's riding a horse, they can feel... Um, um, just by your energy, if you're feeling anxious or tense. So they're not going to be as free with their riding. They're going right. to stop. They're not going to listen to you. They're going to try to turn back. Um, so a big part of what I do is I have my client, you know, at first learn how to walk the horse. 
um, which may seem simple to you, but we go into a grass field and a lot of it is getting the horse to respect you. And I have that act as a, a symbol for them. So I say, think of the horse as a ball of energy. And that horse, you're going to feed into that energy, all that negativity. What are you experiencing? They'll say anxiety, depression, um, intrusive thoughts. Throw that into that ball of energy. What you're learning to do is tame that energy. Live with it. Because the horse, like they say this about dogs too, it's responding to what you're putting out. Yes. And like people who have pets, um, if you're like kind of a nervous, erratic person, that will be reflected in your dog. Absolutely. And if, and if you're chill, the, the animal will, will thusly reflect that behavior and be chill. Though I, I'm, I'm interested to draw a distinction, though, between horses and dogs, because my understanding of dogs is that they're like that. Because when you have a dog, uh, you know, they have this, like, slavish devotion to you. And basically, their whole life is just watching you. Right. So, like, you're their model for everything. You're their needs, yeah. Yeah, not even just needs, but it's like you're, you're like, uh, setting the tone for everything. So if you're behaving a certain way, the dog is is going to respond to that. Mm-hmm. But like this horse, um, it's similar, but it's not exactly the mm-hmm. same, right? Because mm-hmm. I feel like what you're saying is that, because a, a horse, I feel like objectively, is not as intellectually and emotionally sophisticated. They're as more a dog. wild than that, yeah. But you're saying they are still intellectually and emotionally accessible, but it's more remote, and they like perhaps any living thing, even life forms that are. Uh, lower or whatever uh, term you prefer to use less sophisticated what it comes down to like in all things perhaps in nature and in life the color of your energy you're going to receive that um um from the other being in kind right Right. so if you're out in the wild right an animal is going to respect you based on the strength that you put forward, right? So that's the whole idea of the food chain, right? You are something to be respected and to be feared, right? So we're not really going off of the basis of fear. I want to take it away from that. But with the horse, they're wild. They're a wild animal. And, you know, that's what separates them from a domesticated right, dog. Right, not domesticated. Yeah. Right. So they're not domesticated, but in the sense you learn how to read their language you learn how to stand tall you learn how to set boundaries and those are things that you can apply in your day-to-day relationships with humans Mm -hmm. so a lot of my work is mirroring those things that i'm teaching you through working with the horse right i I always say taming the beast and that beast is your anxiety your depression your intrusive thoughts it is that is very strong strongly embedded in the work that i do so a lot of my clients once they are able to get to that level of respecting the horse and the, the horse respecting them, not going for the grass when they're walking, not nudging them with their head, not utilizing their body, instead setting your boundaries, utilizing respect, trust, having that voice to say to them, hey, you're not going to do that. That builds on how you're going to put that energy into your day-to-day right. life. It's like, it's like the way that they're in teaching the horse how to respond to them they're also teaching themselves how to better respond Absolutely. to everyday stimuli. They're strengthening right? those skills. Yeah, yes. it's like when people say, like, um, it's almost kind of, I mean, this is perhaps further away, but I've heard people describe, like, when you raise a kid, really the kid is raising you. Right. Because in coming <laughs> to understand, or rather coming to appreciate um, the perspective of this child 
it's illuminating yes. things to you like oh i shouldn't take that for of course that's yeah, how i should right. respond to this mm -hmm. or that and this is kind of like a uh, a microcosm or or a, a sort of less heightened version of right. that where it's like by by me like doing the action of teaching the horse how to kind of rhythmically respond to me emotionally yes. in a simpatico kind of way i'm actually teaching myself on a meta level mm -hmm how to better temper yes. my own emotional response. Absolutely. I yeah. always say to clients that the objective is never to get rid of anxiety. It's never to get rid of depression. That's so something that, right. Yeah. That's something that you're never going to get rid of. That shouldn't be the goal. It's how do you live alongside it? How do you find peace with it being beside you? And that's the horse, right? So I have them visualize that being that energy ball, right? And he's challenging you, that horse. He's putting his head down. He wants to eat that grass. He wants mm -hmm. to nudge you to the he side. He that grass. Can I say something? <laughs> yeah. I know the horse. We don't have to say names on the podcast. I know the horse you're talking about. <laughs> he's too much with that eating that grass. Yeah. Well, there's several at the at the farm for sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. You're talking about, yeah, we don't have to name them because you know what? Yeah. <laughs> How many different horses are there over there? So there's about four or names? five. Four or five, yep. Four or five that I use for my counseling program. We have Dusty. We have Wally. We have Latte. We have Al. Nice, Latte. Um, yeah, we have... There's a couple. There's Ghost, um, who Ooh, used to be well, known as Jerry. Jerry. Like, I immediately cool. have an affinity for Ghost. Yeah, he's a white there. horse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's actually the That's most challenging. Because I'm a dark horse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you would like Al. He is all black. Yeah. There's no telling um, to what rhythm my hoofs will clack. <laughs> Many people have told me this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Many people, but I'm sorry, I feel like I derailed you. What were you saying? I'm just saying that there's many opportunities and that's what the program's all about to kind of have people mirror the, you know, ways in which yeah. working through a horse can apply to your day to day life. Even, you know, I utilize meditation a lot. So even when we're so you walking, meditate? I do. Yeah, I do utilize meditation because I've been thinking a lot lately about how I genuinely do believe that like the only way to be happy, like at the end of the day. Like once you've done away with all of your like immediate needs, it's like you do have to move beyond the ego, beyond the self, mm. beyond the the truly it, it like the fiction that we are all individuals, right. which is which is kind of a fiction, you know. It's like like when people say we are all one, like that is actually literally true, and that's not just like it's it's not rhetorical like oh, you should, you should proceed as if we are all one. It's like, oh, no, we actually are all one. Like, we are actually all, like, a piece of the same thing. And so to achieve some kind of um, lasting satisfaction or to kind of, like, basically become okay with the idea of you personally dying, you have to appreciate the fact that, oh, I'm just a piece of this thing or that I actually do literally continue to exist through everyone else because we are all a part of the same thing but that's that's extremely difficult to wrap your head around but um you know a lot of people they do like to meditate there's a lot of people i really respect who who prioritize meditating making time for it it's never something i've been able to really take seriously but like right. what is what what is your what is your like ritual for meditating and is it 
I've heard a lot about like transcendental meditation. Like David Lynch really likes TD, and like a, like an actor friend I know likes TD. Do you do that? Is it something different? Do you know what the difference is? I'm not familiar with that, but I think just going back to what you were saying before, the idea of being all as one is very advanced. If we're talking about mindfulness, that is the goal. See, that's a word I hear a lot. What is mindfulness? What is right. the difference between like mindfulness and thoughtfulness really? Because so, mindfulness to me, like I hear that word and I don't respond. I don't respond yeah. to it positively. Mm -hmm. I'm like to me, that's <laughs> just like a, a, a trendy puff word. What do you think, Sammy? I mean, yeah, no, I hear that word all the time, but I never think anything too deeply of it. Yeah. That's about it. But like, what's the difference between being mindful and being thoughtful or whatever, mm -hmm. or, or being present? Like, mm -hmm. what, like what, is, what does the specific term mindful or mindfulness necessitate or what does it right. address? So I think that to simplify it, mindfulness is really just gratitude, you know, learning how to appreciate where you're at and really notice your surroundings in the present moment. It's, so it's bringing, like being present. It's like yes, when people talk about it. It's bringing yourself back, but yeah. grounding yourself. Grounding is a huge thing of mindfulness. So being thoughtful is one thing, you know. Being thoughtful can be a variety of things, you know, thinking of another, you know, utilizing small things to, well, you know. Well, thoughtful is very broad. Right, thought, yeah, right. That, that's a broad. But groundfulness is about, you know, being able to. Are you say groundfulness? Is this another term? Mindfulness <laughs> is also linked with grounding yourself. That's like when people who suffer from anxiety, they have what's known as a grounding technique. Yes. It's like mm -hmm. you so feel, that's part of mindfulness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's like when you like. I'm feeling the the uh, the felt of my mm, chair. That's the or... five senses technique. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with these things. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Very good. I, I know Nancy. up to seven different things. Very good. Uh, in life, mm -hmm. but, uh, but yeah, that's, <laughs> uh, that's, that's one of them. Uh, I you meant mindfulness, but okay. <laughs> I know that. I know the three ships were the the Santa Marie the. Uh, uh, the yep. marina the uh, the pirates of the caribbean and then the <laughs> third president mm -hmm. is and also blue is a color i know many things mm -hmm. but yeah that's like i'm i'm feeling the grass on my toes the grass yeah, is here yeah. i'm feeling Going this through you know, all your senses, i'm here now yeah. it's to take you out of your head yes so like mindfulness or groundfulness it's another way of just it's just stay present it's like to not right to not like well, disappear aloft right. in your 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 inscrutable well, the long term, the yeah. long term of mindfulness is to be able to observe, right? So grounding is observing your present, you know, situation so that emotions, a lot of things with mindful therapy is around the idea that emotions are an entity or an energy that shows up for you. So if you're feeling anger, that's something that appears. And with mindfulness, you don't want it to take over your behaviors and actions and thoughts, right? You want to be able to observe it and say, I am experiencing anger. And with that, with my mindfulness techniques and my strength, I can look that anger in the eye and be able to validate it so that right. it can so it's like, dissolve. So it's like instead of, uh, it's sort of like a means of not displacing. It's right. like, oh, I'm feeling angry right now. Let's own that and examine it. Yeah. Instead of just like, I'm continuing through this like, Right. Wish wash rushed narrative of my day right. and then that anger, I'm gonna end up offloading it onto something random right. or something yeah. inappropriate. Right. It's what do you do with that energy, right? Because if you're thinking It's being aware of... enough to process mm -hmm. the emotion deliberately. Right. 
Because then a lot of times anger, right, takes over your actions throughout the day. You're feeling that way, right? There's other things that end up being, you know, ruined in your eyes. It's about facing that energy and learning how to, you know, dissipate it in healthy ways. Right. Your body is a temple, right? That sounds cliche, but that is what mindfulness is. What does it mean when people say my body is a temple? You are the center. So your energy is something that is, you know, tamed, right? It's it's an equilibrium of just being a base What's of that your energy. Your temple, so your temple, that's just a way to visualize it, I guess, for me at least. I don't want to speak for everybody in, you know, mindfulness communities, but that is a place that's safe, that is a place that is grounded, that is a place that is leveled, right? So your temple is leveled. When you experience See, I thought energy, that just means like your body is sacred and you should take care of it. That was that my too. interpretation. Yeah. Absolutely. But that seems that seems more simplistic than what you're saying. Because well, I thought I your body is a temple, in. meaning it's like sacred, so you should take you should take care of it. Mm-hmm. But that's that's not exactly what you're saying. Well, I think that what you're saying is true as well. I just think that it all ties in together. If we're speaking in terms of energy, you want to reserve that temple, right? So that is your baseline of feeling peaceful right do you so, think people use that term energy too much i know i do but i feel like everyone's saying like everything is energy right mm-hmm. you ever experienced that either of you i just thrown around a lot especially now i feel like crystals and all that like zodiac signs is so popular that people kind of just toss Crystal? around without yeah like the little fancy rocks yeah your generation <laughs> loves they're crystals. really into it oh you're talking about like uh the uh zodiac stuff mm-hmm. right yeah. yeah, I don't know anything about that. And they say, like, the crystals give off, like, certain types of energy and all that. Yeah, but even beyond that, I feel like everyone's saying, like, this energy, that energy. I don't know. That's more of a grammatical standpoint. You know, but I feel that. Well, let me ask you this. Another one that I think is much more frivolous than the ones you've outlined. What the hell do people mean by love language? <laughs> do you want to answer first, shame. Sammy? I mean, I don't really know. I know it's like physical touch, gift giving. It's kind of just like how you like to receive affection in my eyes. I don't really know a definition. That's just how I see it. Amanda? Yeah, I talk about this a lot in my sessions. Um. (laughs) I just don't know what people mean by it. I have my fucking co-host Lloyd and he tried to explain it to me once, but he's so disingenuous. Cause he's always trying to come on like he's this he's this like oh ha I'm a nice guy ha, ha, I'm an ally oh ha but I know in his secret the treasure chest heart <laughs> he's a pervert who's just trying to virtue signal and solicit feet pics from his followers oh, online yeah. you know yeah so I don't know what love language that is <laughs> well, no 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 I don't mean that I, I'm not saying that's his love language but I'm saying the the term or the meme or whatever you want to call it of of quote-unquote love language i couldn't take his definition in good faith because i think that not a lot of people view lloyd the way i do but i think he's really because like a lot of people look at him and they're like oh this guy is so pleasant he's pleasant enough he's obliging he'll 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 help you if you ask he doesn't say anything provocative um, and he takes pains to be, um, you know, like sensitive to all groups and all that. But something about the way he does that, I see it. And I think that it's like, he does that. It, it, part of it is just kind of like pure, you know, it's just kind of like, part of it is genuine. Like he wants to be a good guy. 
part of it is insecurity, but part of it I think is like pandering so that like the girl with like purple hair and a septum piercing who like likes his tweet, you know, and his tweet is like, ooh ah, you know, heckin' uh, my love language is when uh, 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 we, we, we uh, uh, elevate NB voices. And, uh, you know, she likes it. And he's like, hey, I uh, couldn't help but notice you like my tweet. Uh, wow. If you ever have an OnlyFans, I'd love to heck and throw a, few, throw a few doubloons your way and get some feet pics, you know. But that's a very cynical reading. And he's not here to defend himself. Maybe I shouldn't bash him behind his back. But maybe he shouldn't have uh, taken uh, two weeks off to, what, build a deck? Dude, you have time to take pictures of your dogs, which I've shown to you, Sammy. They look like sheep. They're cute, though. I, I said like that. I said they look like sheep. Yeah. First. But then you also said it. And I didn't influence you. You no. also happened to say they look, they look like sheep, right? Well, isn't a sheep dog? Like, that's a breed. It is a sheep dog. Yeah. So they look like sheep a little bit. But they're not called sheep dogs because they look like sheep, are they? I think because they, like, herd cattle exactly. or They herd like sheep. That. Yeah, right? Yeah. They do sort of kind of they look like sh- sheep. They shepherd. Yeah, yeah, that's what they do. Yeah, but let's let's get off of that <laughs> really just fucking low base man. But but Amanda, <laughs> what's your definition of love language? Um, I think that love language is a really helpful tool for couples who are trying to enhance their communication around how they would like to receive love. Um, that's the basis of it. So basically. You know, you have a couple who... Wait, you so know, it's specific to couples? Typically. Yeah. Because um, based yeah. on what I saw, it's like everyone has their specific individualized love language. Sure. Yeah. Right. Because like I see on like dating profiles where it's like, oh my God, my love language is margarita pizza. <laughs> and then I'll get the other dog. I think that... Um, I'm trying to create content. <laughs> I think that it originated obviously uh, um, out of couples therapy um, because you want to really? learn. Because I don't know. You think it came out? Yeah. Of, yeah. Um, you know, the basis of it is how to communicate with your partner, how to make them feel loved. Um, I could see that being on dating apps because you want your potential partner to know how you receive love. So it's as simple as like, this is how uh, through these means I feel loved. Is all right. So the basis is so, for example, you grew up and, you know, the environment that you lived in, you absorbed, you, you know, had these behaviors that were learned and you perceive love as um, words of affirmation. So saying that you're worthy, you did a good job, but you're isn't that loved. Everybody words of affirmation? Not necessarily. So this is one who partner, who right? Doesn't appre- who doesn't appreciate it? Everyone does, yeah. but there can be another partner who goes around the house, cleans up, does the dishes, does acts of service right goes out of their way to bring home the meal that you talked about all week right and then if you guys don't match that love language or don't acknowledge that that that's the other person's love language you may blow that off because you grew up thinking that love is words of affirmation so i would go well you didn't tell me you love me this week but then they would go but i brought home your favorite meal right so it's understanding because not everyone is going to be on the same page with love yeah. yeah you can't say not one everyone, definition not everyone of... expresses affection the exactly same that's so what it is so it's a means of of kind of out like uh, yeah outlining that absolutely where it's like it's because you could be confused it's mm-hmm. like well because you assume like my 
proverbial love language is like, oh, doing X, Y, and Z. Oh, what do you mean? I, yeah. I cooked for you. Yeah. Or I, I got you this. I did mm-hmm. this for you. But you don't feel loved because of that. And that's yeah. that's that's my understanding of it. So therefore, mm-hmm. because that's my understanding, I'm going to assume yes. that's what it always is. Yes. And if you don't appreciate that, I'm confounded. Yes. Because that's my understanding mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. all of those things happen through the way that you are brought up, right? The way that you are conditioned, right? How I mean, that's you just life, everyone. Love, just right? through your experiences. But it's yeah. possible that growing up, you saw your parents, you know, utilizing love in that way. Or that's how you took in the meaning of love. I mean, Not it's everybody's, a of yes. It's a of things. Yes. It's, it's, that's life. But it's when just, you yeah. come into a relationship and it's two people now, right? You have to understand <laughs> the way that the other person perceives love and also gives love. And that's what love language is. But it also is infinitely complex, though. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not as simple as saying, right. like, what, what you describe as a love language. No one's love language is one or several things. No, yeah. Like, it's, it's infinitely complex. Right. Like, you mm-hmm. can't just be like, hey, all right, we're getting serious. This is our relationship. <laughs> this is my love language. That would language. be easy, yeah. What's yours? No, like, it's 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 changing. Of course. It, yeah, it, it changes. And even what you think it is you may not be for yourself you mm-hmm. may not be fully cognizant of and it and it evolves and mm-hmm. it's also contingent upon who you're with and the circumstances you or both of you are dealing with absolutely so it is it is a little reductive no nothing's but, ever black or white right yeah, yeah. so but you it can't is put yourself to in the a degree yes yeah yes i i know personally my love language would be words of affirmation and physical touch so it can be more than one thing right but for Matt, you know, my, you know, soon to be husband, his is acts of service. You know, me going out of my way to think of thoughtful things or get something done that, you know, he had mentioned along the way, surprising him with, like I said earlier, a meal that he talked about. That's the way that he perceives love. But that's the thing, you know, I have a lot of people who come in as clients who are unhappy in their relationships because they are saying, I am doing everything in this relationship. I feel like I'm putting in all of the energy. I am doing X, Y, and Z. But the other partner (coughs) may be thinking to themselves, I'm not receiving what I need. Yeah. But that other partner is going, I'm doing everything I think love is. So that's that's the classic thing of like, for example, (coughs) like the husband who's like, you're insane. Mm -hmm. Like, how are you saying this when I'm doing all these things for you? Exactly. Understanding what the other person wants. Yeah, yeah. Sammy, what would you say is your love language? Definitely, I don't know all your little technical terms, but I agree. Definitely physical touch and like just the words. What is the words of affirmation? Yeah, it's nice to have a nice little reminder. They actually have like quizzes on like BuzzFeed and all that little corny mm-hmm. stuff where they give you percentages and all that. Oh, do that. If you've never taken one, that would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> What's yours, Ralph? Well, my love language is when listeners head on over to patreon.com. Oh, you dodged that question. I'm not. How to better express your love than to support your creators and head on over to patreon.com slash feeling well for just $5 a month. You not only get access to an extra premium episode every Thursday, but access to our now sizable archive. We have like 27 episodes behind the paywall there. So you should do that, you know, like, like, you know, I'm trying to upgrade my life here. My love language is that. But, um... Acts of service. What's that? Acts of service. Subscribe. Thank you. Those are acts of service. My love language (laughs) is acts of service. Subscribe to my Patreon. 
we I've already recorded this week's uh, a preview of it's a good one. It's an extra long one. It's with uh it's with you know we get into a lot of heavy shit. But um, do you feel people, your family, your friends, people you love, people you like, people you admire, um, how do you best express that? Is it words or actions? In terms of how do I receive my own love language? How do you communicate it to other people? What I want to receive? No, how do you communicate that admiration or love or like or just positive feeling to other people? Um, I feel like I am very expressive in terms of gratitude, you know, going back to... But I'm saying on like a practical level, like are you someone who likes to do it through like words or Mm. through something more indirect? So a lot of times with love language, what you like to receive is what you give as well. So I am very... um, words of affirmation and physical touch. So referring to my romantic relationship, which is separate from obviously friendships, I am the one who seeks out opportunities to cuddle. But that's interesting that you would, well, I'm not necessarily talking about exclusively relationships, but you did draw that distinction. You said that there's, there's depth, but like in general regarding your character, um, do you feel you're someone where like you want to express someone to someone else you will do it through words or you'll do it through like some, some kind yeah. of symbolic. Gesture. I do it through quality time. So that is, you know, part of the love languages. So I want to be one-on-one with people. So I will make time to spend time with my friends. I will make sure that it's one-on-one. I will make sure that it is times that are meaningful and that we have enough time to spend with each other. That is my way to express love. I don't well, just show up in group settings. I don't like those types of things. Well, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know if I'm necessarily saying that because like we all appreciate each other's company in different ways. Like there's, there's the idea of like a group hang or like a one-on-one hang. But I mean like if you specifically deliberately want to express something, be it like um, love or like again like someone you love someone you like someone you admire someone you appreciate in some capacity all those things do you think you're more likely to do it through like words like hey listen i just wanted to tell you that oh i i you're fucking good at this and i appreciate what you do or is it through like a symbolic gesture of one kind or another i am all words i am super expressive i think i am too yeah i i mean i can't shut up i mean that's (laughs) that's one of my flaws as well i would say that's one of my you know qualities and flaws that i don't have a filter when it comes to my emotions and heck i made a career out of it i am a therapist um but i think that when i you know am expressing love it's definitely in the form of words and being able to say that to someone yeah i am not somebody who does it through um expression of doing something for another or anything exterior it comes from i definitely feel i'm someone it doesn't even have to be like the love of my life yeah but if it's someone that like i genuinely like feel something Mm -hmm. and it could just be like even if it's not like oh i love you but it's like if someone who's like i i really appreciate that you did that yes or it's like I really admire the work yeah. you do. I think it's important. Mm-hmm. Like I am someone who will like take the moment yes. to like like interrogate myself and be like, what do I really mean? And that's vulnerability. 
Huh? You're tapping into vulnerability. That's what it is because in that moment you could you're experiencing well, I'm that just feeling. I'm not, I'm not afraid, all. and I right. want to. I want a lot to of say people like, are not. Willing. I want to be like. I want to tell you like this is how I. Yeah. Like these are like this like what I think is the specificity, and and what I've encountered a lot of times is that people are kind of like, they're like taken aback yes. by the words, even if they're not that extreme. But it's like they're specific enough where it's like, oh wow, this guy really means it. Yeah. Where it's like, I just wanted to tell you, you know, like it doesn't have to be the end of the world, but it's like this genuinely like kind of influenced me in one way or another. And I'm glad that it did in these X or Y specific ways. And I, I'm genuinely appreciative. Right. And people are like kind of not prepared for that in no. a lot of ways. No. Yeah. I think that. And I don't do it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That is unexpected for sure. I think, you know, going back to that is vulnerability, right? In a society where we're supposed to just... Well, why vulnerability is the word? Because I don't feel self-conscious doing it. Like I'm... Vulnerability isn't self-consciousness. Vulnerability is courageousness, right? So you're taking... So by that... vulnerability, you mean like um, simply making yourself open. Yes. So if anybody is interested, you should check out Brene Brown. Mm -hmm. She talks, it's an author that talks all about vulnerability. Um... I have a tattoo actually that says, give me the strength to show up and let myself be seen. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times that's exactly what you're talking about. Give me the strength to say something that is meaningful, right? right. And let them hear it. Because right, that response is that they're taken back because not many people do that, right? And, yeah. and why do you think? Well, I just don't think they encounter it very much. But um, why, is that, why is there some resistance there? Because people are afraid of being embarrassed. Right. Yeah. That is vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Vulnerability is not listening to those intrusive thoughts that say, you're going to be embarrassed if you say that. You're going to be the weird one if you say that. That's dipping I mean, into those parts yeah. of you that are vulnerable. I think you're right, but I think we may, we may be getting into semantics a little bit here. But I feel like there's like the connotation, like the idea of being vulnerable is being like, I feel uh, like open for for something but in those moments like um yeah i like i don't feel uncomfortable you like don't have to, yeah 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 you don't have to feel uncomfortable it's the yeah. idea that it's not the norm vulnerability is going against the norm of but see, turning thing, away though, like i don't from... feel it's like not that like yeah I, I i see what you're saying like because when you are like cutting through the shit and saying something real right it is always not it, expected there is always like a felt risk factor mm -hmm. but i guess like to me like the idea of feeling vulnerable is when i'm sharing something that i feel ambivalent about sharing mm -hmm. but like in this in this uh fictional scenario i don't feel ambivalent about telling someone like hey i fucking but that person may be feeling that. Yeah, yeah. You might have that quality in you, but a lot of times the norm is that you don't share how you're feeling, right? We, we don't live in a society where we're encouraging others to share how they feel, right? We're uh -huh. wearing masks on a daily basis sometimes, you know? So I think that in those times when you're saying to a person, no, hey, right. I really... Even, even me, who's like, even if I'm not in general a person who's like cloistered or self-conscious, but it's like, even in those moments... There's a part of me that's aware that it's like I'm I'm removing the veil. Yes, and that through, is it. And, and through the specificity of my words mm -hmm. and the earnestness of my expression and my mm -hmm. feeling, I'm cognizant of the fact that I'm saying like, okay, listen, I I like I'm 
making a deliberate effort to tell you how I really feel. And so that is actually like opening the clamshell and being vulnerable. And they feel that. Mm -hmm. And it may not even mean that much to me. It's not even like, oh, this is, I'm really, this is a watershed moment for me. I'm being vulnerable. It's just like, no, no, no. This is just an example of being vulnerable. Right. And then they feel it. And maybe if they're not conditioned to that. And um, I don't think anyone really is like that. That's like, that's why it is special because like, yeah. it's not something you do constantly. If you did, you'd be a fucking maniac. So what you, like, right. Yeah. What you just described all in one was the ability to be vulnerable and the ability to be courageous. So mm -hmm. through vulnerability, you're <laughs> opening up and saying something and, and, and going against those thoughts of, you know, oh, you're going to get embarrassed. Oh, they may not be expecting this. And because it is, that is courageousness. Because it is, it is, I don't want to say it's human nature, but like given our like broad understanding of like social norms to be like extremely earnest is always a little bit embarrassing mm -hmm. because it's just it's not what people are prepared to do all the time so it's, so like when you when you meet someone that you really admire and you say something like hey uh you know you changed my life because like we shun those strong emotions but I, yeah but i also think that's kind of inevitable because it's rare you know Be so, why why is it rare? but that's the thing though because if it wasn't rare it wouldn't be special so like it is rare for a reason, like if because like if I met someone and they were just like they said that but they didn't even have a trace of that self consciousness, I would be like they're just blowing smoke in my ass. Because it doesn't feel natural because we don't make it feel natural. Yeah, but can you ever really make it feel natural across the board? Because I feel like like you can't normalize intense feelings until like we in, feel comfortable doing so. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying like big picture like intensity is always going to be rare like you're you, if but we that, always scale it back don't we but I'm just, every yeah. time we feel something intense we scale it back i want you to focus in on why we scale but it i'm back. just saying like 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 that's why it doesn't mm -hmm. feel natural but i'm saying special feelings and special connections will always exist and so for that reason you will never feel 100 percent comfortable expressing them because innately it does involve risk and because innately it's not normal. Like, like if I go to, um, you know, your, your mother-in-law's house and she makes a good lasagna and I'm like, Hey, this is a good lasagna. Like, I don't feel weird saying that. Cause it's just like, yeah, who cares? Like, Oh, I like this lasagna. I'm paying you a compliment. But if someone like touched my soul, like there's, there's always the risk of feeling a little weird about it because it's special. Like if it wasn't special, it wouldn't feel like a risk. So I don't so think you're saying what makes it special is the fact that it's outside of the norm. Well, that's the definition of special. I, I agree with what you're saying is that everyone should be more conditioned to expressing how they feel. I'm getting just like super. I do this all the time. I feel like I always do this. And then like people feel like I'm, I'm like not getting them. But I'm like talking like super big picture where it's like even if everyone was like emotionally open and like emotionally enlightened and like not like in their bones afraid of being embarrassed like because certain things are special and unexpected you have that feeling of risk but don't you think that if they've gotten to a point society as a whole of being a hundred percent comfortable of expressing their emotions they would have no need of putting on a facade 
Well, Why would there be a need it's, it's, to put on a different face at that point? Because you're saying, how would I believe people? That is the nature of what we're living in right now. I, we question I, people because when, we don't believe it's natural. Well, if everyone had those barriers break down, right, they wouldn't feel like they'd have to put on a I'm facade. Saying, I, I, that I, would no longer be a danger mm-hmm. to us. I get, I get what you're saying, but, but I guess what I'm trying to say is that when someone truly speaks to you, um, that isn't an everyday occurrence. Like because right. it's, because it's special, away. because it's special by definition, you're feeling things you don't ordinarily feel. And so that innately is a risk. Cause it's like, I, I, I right. don't usually feel these things. And it's like, you're a different person. So these things are innately special. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying like, um, like risk, and and like kind of fear and suspense is always a part of it and that's not necessarily a bad thing but like i'm talking about like super big picture like i know what you're saying like we we should ameliorate these anxieties where everyone should just feel comfortable talking about but i also don't think that we necessarily need risk and fear and all of that to appreciate something that goes back to gratitude but i'm not being grounded in the fact that if somebody says something to you right that's deep if we're talking about future society, we believe them, right? Because we no longer need that facade. And then we have gratitude in the fact that they said something. And we're grounded ourselves that we well, also I'm saying believe from the perspective in. of the person who wants to express the thing to the other person. Sure. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm saying that, um, th- but I mean, like, that's why life is interesting, is yeah. contrast. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you're always going to have that contrast where there's that little bit you don't know. And that creates anxiety Mm -hmm. that creates like and and i mean that's what's beautiful about life is that like oh i don't know this person entirely but they've they've touched my soul in some way Mm -hmm. isn't that amazing and so some uncomfortable feelings are good and valid you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. that's all i'm saying is that it shouldn't always be easy I'm trying to make this Wes is getting very anxious I'm trying to make this cosmically (laughs) profound point right now and this fat golden retriever is yawning like an asshole to my right thank you thank you Wesley thank you (laughs) anyway my point is that uh, because things are precious like not all like some uncomfortable feelings are necessary and good and because they're uncomfortable that means the thing that you are um, contending with is valid. Yeah, you know what? The thing about mindfulness, too, going back. Shut is, up! What's I? Stop it. Are you appreciating what I'm saying? Because when I said that, you were looking at this this whinnying. <laughs> yes, uh, but I want to make clear that I'm saying all good feelings come from like some process of uneasiness. Yes. <laughs> Wesley is uncomfortable with the truths I'm saying right now. He's getting upset because I'm saying things he doesn't want to accept. (laughs) But going back to what I said, we never want to get rid of uneasy feelings. We never want to get rid of negative feelings, right? Because that is the nature of life. The difference is, is that we are able to... Slow down, slow down. This is a disaster. <laughs> we were having a good conversation. He is not and as usual, Wesley fucking ruined it. Wesley! Jesus Christ. He's going to go to the kitchen now. Come on, baby. Unbelievable. Oh, God. I'll be back in here. Are we arguing over there? No, Wesley just knocked over the kitchen. Unbelievable. What 
I was saying was that I agree with everything you're saying, but I'm saying when it comes to like that anxiety, whenever you're like making yourself naked and saying like, like I fuck with your shit or whatever, like even in the utopia, you still have that anxiety for, for natural reasons. And those reasons are not necessarily bad. No, but you're, but I understand on like, like a, a, a macro or like universally applied scale, you're saying like, in general, people shouldn't be afraid of being vulnerable, which I do agree with. But that that anxiety is always going to be there, mm-hmm. and that's okay, because life is, to a certain degree or entirely chaos. Right. But. But yeah. Right. Being more willing to be vulnerable right and be courageous i think that what i was saying earlier is that we're not trying to get rid of negative feelings right that's always going to be a part of life we can't just live a happy life and but when i say negative feelings i don't mean like feeling sad like i'm talking about something specific i'm not talking about just being like sad or angry in general i'm saying that specific moment where it's like you you feel like a little anxious about like telling someone how you're rude Mm -hmm. but i don't know I would have people, yeah, I, I, you know, what we're talking about right now is the give and take of what that means to people, right? Yeah. What is that anxiousness? Is that definitely that you picking feel? you up from all the way over there? Yeah. Yeah? Okay, I'm just making sure. What is that anxiousness that you feel in that moment? And that is the basis of... But I'm saying that's not, that's not necessarily a bad thing, no. is, is what Never I'm saying, that anxiousness. That. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because because your because what it comes down to is there is no way to perfect how one emotionally navigates life. We never and, want to do that. Yeah. And like, but like whatever this person did or created, you may interpret it away, and the way you choose to express how you interpret it that way and how they then receive it, that's like three different things or four different things or an infinite amount of different things. They may not be on that level. Right. That doesn't make your feeling less valid. No, but absolutely. they may not uh, 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 compute. They may not comply. Mm-hmm. And um, so for that reason, you feel that anxiety. Because you want them to be on the same wavelength. But they may not be. And that doesn't make those feelings invalid. But you always run that risk. And for that reason, I think that anxiety is just kind of a part of life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. But that's that's the thing. Like there's, there's a lot of life doesn't have to be like uh, endless um, strife and and subjugation but there's always going to be you need contrast yes you know or else life would be just a tedious hell well it's a give and take right if what we're talking about also resembles needing validation right so wanting validation from another you also have to give validation to others so if you guys don't you know, match up on the same playing field and opinions, you know, maybe it's your turn to give that validation. You well, know? I'm, not, I'm not necessarily talking about like, you're right. I'm sorry to keep undercutting you, but I'm just saying like, I tend to fixate on these specific points I'm making, but I'm not talking about like an established relationship, you know, maybe someone no, with which you either. haven't entered yeah. into like a relationship, but yeah, but yeah. But like, but like what you just said is like from the perspective of someone who has already entered into an emotional contract with someone See, else. See, I'm so curious why it. you think that. Why did you jump to thinking that that? Well, because was you said because about. you said it's not just what you say; it's 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 how they receive it, right? Were you mm-hmm. not saying it as if like 
they want to be on the same wavelength as you. Well, they're... you're saying that in order to be, like, sometimes when you're vulnerable, right, you'll say something and think that they will be on the same page. But if they're not, maybe that's your opportunity to then validate instead of looking for somebody to be on the same page as you, right? Well, I guess what I was saying, like, the example I was driving at is that, like, if someone did something or created something, like a work of art, or, or maybe, like, said something to you, like, someone you don't really know, and you want to express that, but that's just one example. Um, so, so maybe that's just kind of, like, a dead end, but I'm saying that, like, um, or even someone that you know and you feel a certain way, I guess I was coming to it more from, like, a position of, this person did or created this sort of thing. So I want to tell them I appreciate it, but I guess like what's more important is like on the emotional level, they did this or that, but I'm just, I, I think it still applies though, where it's like the anxiety comes from the fact that you can never know if they're on the same page as you. Mm -hmm. All I'm saying is that even in your emotional utopia, that anxiety always exists. Like, there's, there's no way to not have that. Like, how would you not have that? Because people are always, like, these just, like, chaotic little neurons who are colliding with each other. And they look at each other, and they see different things in each other. They project different things. And um, the person either reciprocates or they don't. Maybe they see the same things in each other, or maybe they misunderstand each other in a way that is still compatible, that is simpatico, where it's like, oh, I like you because you're A-G-X-Y. And they're like, oh, I like you because you're B-D-F-Q. And it's like, for some reason it works, but it's like, there's never a guarantee. And it's like, even if you're like in that emotionally utopian society in which everyone is like supported enough that they can be vulnerable, inevitably there's still that risk because human beings are inexplicable so it's like you can't just be like hi i'm 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 person q and this is how i feel and uh this well, yeah that. i think yeah. that a big part of that is that you know a lot of people walk throughout life not examining where they've been and how they feel i think it's very easy to but go it's throughout always, life but it's, i'm just saying it's always without, a risky relationship yes right? but i think that it takes especially in regards to anxiety examining where those behaviors come from and a lot of times it's linked to childhood and what you absorb right what the environment you're around and how you conceptualize things big themes like self-worth self-esteem right how you perceive love, right? And I think that when you're talking about looking for another partner who matches that, you guys are matching your same traumas. You guys are matching your same like bring-ups from childhood. That is why it's so important when you're walking throughout life to figure out who you are in the sense of how you became to be the person you are. It sounds very hippy-dippy, but no, it's not. It's you know, yeah. it's everything's a learned behavior. To me, everything is something that you have learned along the way. Who you are is influenced by your environment, by what you were born into, right? And not everyone thinks this way. This is just how I am, especially as a therapist. No, I agree with that. I am CBT. You know, cognitive nature, behavioral yeah. therapy is about linking your be your thoughts to your behaviors. You know, so a lot of people come forward with anxiety as my clients, and I ask them to dig deeper into how you were brought up, how you you know conceptualize things at a young age. Right. So a lot of that is people will go throughout life not examining those themes, though, those yeah. core values, yeah, of course. how they came to be.
No, I don't. Right. I don't disagree with that. I'm. I'm totally on that same page. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that even when everyone um, is afforded, because I'm a big, you know, when it comes to like um, knowing yourself and kind of um, sort of emotional well-being and sort of the business, the industry of like psychological health. Like I, I, I of course think it's valid and good, but also I think that a thing that largely goes unaddressed is that people's emotional lives first and foremost are contingent upon their material conditions. You know, like you get more stress if you can't provide for your family or yourself, you get more anxiety, you get more depression, this and that. But even if all of those things are ameliorated and even if everyone um, uh, through one avenue or another has those tools where they can be present, or they can be relatively vulnerable. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying, in, in the perfect world, and you you still have, all I'm saying is that in that perfect world, you still have that anxiety because everything that's worthwhile is a risk. Because you can't know that person immediately. Even if you're open and honest, it's still gonna hurt. If, if, if they reject mm-hmm. you or they don't conform to your... But being comfortable with that vulnerability and that risk. Helps, of course. Mm-hmm. I'm not denying that. I'm not, I'm not denying that. I'm just saying that you always have that. There's no way around that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like love, but that's what it is. But I'm right? saying... No, no. All, all I'm saying is that there is no love without hurt. Yeah, absolutely. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but that's what I teach with my horse therapy, right? You never want to get rid of anxiety or depression. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. You want to just learn how to live alongside it, right? So those, no, those yeah. things that you're experiencing are rightly so. Oh, yeah, but all I'm saying is that even if, you are, even if you are the most practiced, most enlightened sort of uh, uh, communicator of your emotions... You're emotionally dead if you don't still occasionally feel anxiety or ambivalence mm-hmm. when you are communicating. Yeah, it's not about them. shutting yeah. out those feelings. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I'm just saying that like those those things never go away even in the perfect world. Yeah. But um, Sammy, sit down. I have a commercial break. What? What do you guys want from McDonald's? <laughs> really, she is doing that. No, we're not. We have to finish the episode. Hold on. <laughs> shut off. Told... No, shut off your phone. Sit down. It's How dare Mother's you? Day. Uh, no. We're almost done. I just want to have one more conversation. All right, sit down. You're still recording, right? Yeah, we're I swear to God, if you're not We're at an hour. Sammy, sit down! I can't just plug my phone. Sit down! I can't plug my phone in. I'm taking orders. Porter's peeing on the patio. All right, uh, Amanda, in the meanwhile, um, so we kind of got off track a little bit for 57 minutes, but um, (laughs) so like what you were talking about your horses, I originally was talking about like pet ownership, I, but like what you do with your horses is different because the horses are an emotional conduit. It's not the same as like pet ownership. Right. But I just want to, let's, let's end this on a slightly uh, lighter note about how, um, yeah, I guess my original question was like, do you know people who have an unhealthy relationship with their pets? Of course. Yeah. I mean, before I got into this field, I worked for a dog walking company for four years and uh, you see a lot of that. Oh, fuck. Yeah. You had some bad experiences. Yeah. Yeah, I did. You want to tell some, you want to tell, there's another thing I want to get to. It might go a little bit long here, but you want to tell a story from them? I mean, an example of just bad dog owners. I've seen a lot of it. I used to work in Port Washington, you know, nothing against Port Washington, but um, a lot of people. Port Washington? Yes. 
Is that Long Island? Yes, it is. It's Nassau. It's a very um, expensive part of Nassau. It's one of the most expensive uh, areas actually on Long Island. Um, and a lot of people will have animals and not think that they have to care for them. So they hire service for them. And that's who I was. <laughs> I was a service to come in and walk their dogs, train them how to walk. Um, and what happens is that the more that you neglect your dog, the more that they are spoiled and aggressive. And I've had several occasions where I've had to call see, help. You're, you're someone who doesn't tolerate people who don't discipline their dog. No. And see, I respect that because I heard people talk about like kids that way. Or it's like if you're a parent, you hate the parent who doesn't like. Yes. If you have the, the can't blame the kid, can't blame the dog. If you're the kid, yep. if you're the parent who has the child who's like yep. Ivan the terrible, it's like the other parents are like, you know, you're the soldier in the foxhole that they gotta like fucking. Why know. would you blame the you know counterpart of the behaviors and you know care that you're giving? What's the right? story where you flipped off the cop? So I started my dog walking and dog watching journey in, in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yes. Yeah. Um, I had had a client who every time I walked their dog, if it was rain or shine, I had to wipe their paws with um, a wet wipe before they entered their penthouse. That's That was like their stipulation. That was their thing. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if it was because they got a kick out of me wiping them because they would watch or if they really didn't want their dog to bring in the New York germs. So they would always watch you wipe always. off the paws? Wow. Always. They definitely got off to it. Um, so I... See, please pay attention. <laughs> I'm listening. Took him out on a rainy day, which was already horrible. I used to work on the pier, like Pier 70, you know, whatever. Walk Back on in that your strip. Brooklyn days. Yeah, walk on that strip. Well, this was Tribeca. I used to dog walk. Yeah. And... Yes, and, and I returned this dog to home okay. in Tribeca brick, you know, pathway to the penthouse building. And I went upstairs, took off his raincoat because, you know, he had to have Wow. Him. What kind of dog was it? He was a hound. He was a long hound, long ears. Oh, I enjoy a hound. Yeah. Um, Let's not hold it against the hound. No, you can't. What was his name? Oh, and also, did I presume name? his gender? It was a he. It was a heat. I just um, to can't think of the name. It was years ago. Let's give him a name. Sammy, what's the name? Uh, Carl. Something Carl? The, yeah, something with the pick S. Up? Sure. Carl? Sure. All right. So anyway, so I went in. I forgot to wipe Carl's feet, and the woman tore into me, um, saw that I was about to leave, yelled at me, and I ended up leaving the penthouse crying. Wow. Um, because I don't re what even a, remember what, a, what, what she bitch. said. Yeah. <laughs> don't even remember what she said, yeah, but it made me cry. Her. And I was looking down at my phone, venting to a pier. And I walked along a crosswalk without looking. And a cop started following me. And I didn't realize it was a cop being a female as well in the city. I thought it was a lurker. Um, He's so, some guy giving you shit. Yeah. So I held up my hand and I flipped him the bird. <laughs> And then oh. I heard bloop bloop. Bloop <laughs> bloop. Yeah. So yeah. I so I I said, you know, I looked over and he was like, You realize that you're flipping off a cop, right? This is fucking unbelievable. So like it's not fucking illegal to flip off a cop. Mm -hmm. 
So it's like... I remember this, you this saying dude, that to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I was fucking pissed off when you first told me about this. Mm-hmm. This fucking asshole. This goes to show how much of a fucking just like depraved fucking uh, losers fucking pig cops are. That it's like right. this, this, this this girl who's crying. Doesn't matter who it is. <laughs> yeah. Like if you're a cop. Yeah. If you're a cop, I should be able to like go by and be like, hey, uh, you're a cop, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, what's your name? Uh, uh, Officer Barberty. Uh, oh, oh, cool. He got Officer so Barberty. offended. Listen, uh, Officer Barberty. Um, fuck you. You're a fucking asshole. <laughs> like, I should be able to do that, and that's nothing. Because fuck him. That's fine. You can do that to other people, and it's not against the law. So the fact that he, like, flexed his muscles in that yeah, way just that to terrorize intimidated you. Him. Yeah, I mean, granted, he didn't him. shoot you dead. So that's good. Yeah. But it's like, fuck that guy. Fuck. He got mad cops. that I, I did something negative toward him. And I didn't even realize he was a cop. <laughs> so he said, you realize you're... you're Flipping off a cop, and I said, "What? Oh, what a fucking asshole!" And he was still incredible. in his car. He was following me in his car, and I said, "No, I didn't realize you were a cop. I just left my head up from my phone." The fact that he would devote his time to that—he must have like such little things to do in the day. It's like I'm gonna make a point of of uh, of intimidating. This fucking 21-year-old yeah. girl. Who's crying. Yeah. Thinking that a cat caller is doing it, what, first of what all. A fucking I thought shameless... it was just a... Ma- because that happened all the time when I lived in the city. Oh, my gosh. I would just be minding my own business and people would go out of their way to assault and say things that were out of this world. I used to ride around on a scooter, my Razor, from when I was like 14 years old. I took it from my mom's garage. Took it to the city. I would flip it up on the subway, put it on my back. I was very proud of it with my dog walking, you know, because I would go to and from in Tribeca and uh, all those areas nearby. And I would, on a daily basis, have to fight off those things. I loved wearing headphones for the sole reason that I would block out any other right. comments. So you wouldn't even be aware. Yes. Yeah. So I wouldn't even be aware. So I was literally, that was like a jerk reaction when I was crossing the street. Yeah, it's just unbelievable that he would be like, oh, He's like, you person, know, you're saying that to a cop. This person that I can't even justify paper uh, on in any way is like doing a crime or being a threat. I'm going to exploit my authority, uh, abuse my authority, right, he could have just drove out on. of my day just to make her feel bad to make me feel better. Fuck you, bitch. I hope mm-hmm. the next 9-11 just happens on your house. <laughs> I hope two planes fall just on you specifically and that you're incinerating the fucking cocksucker. He could have just drove by, but he had to make a whole scene. And that That's all it was, but the effort, yeah. He could have just kept that going. That was a rough day. But also in that 9-11 too, that 9-12, I hope that lady is thrown into it as well. But not the heckin' doggos. They can come over here. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I wanted to get back to, before we, we, we end things here, see me sit next to Amanda so we can hear you better on the mic. Okay. Like, I'm sure the sound quality will be terrible in this episode, but that's okay. We're, we're <laughs> doing well. good work. What the fuck do you want from me? Head on over to patreon.com slash feelingwell for just $5 a month. You can get access to our premium episodes in our archive. Maybe then I'll get more than one microphone. But um, so we're here now. We're at Mother's Place for Mother's Day. And uh, I began this episode by talking about how much I've, I've, I've potted about with my usual co-host about mother's dogs and dogs in general. So this is the first time on this podcast because I've got, we've gotten feedback. I remember one guy who listens to the pod, we have a, a hotline, the Pink Bowl hotline. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is it? It's like 203... 
Oat Ape One or something like that. Someone called in saying, like, just admit it, Ralph, you don't like dogs or something like that. <laughs> like, the more I talk, the more enemies I make, but I'm okay with that. Because, like, I'm, what's more important to me is the truth. But, um, so, like, you were the only other, especially when I was living here, like, in COVID times. Like, yeah. I would complain about the dogs. And, and people either were like, oh, that sounds horrible, or they didn't get it. But I want to talk about the surviving dogs now. So, whoever oh, wants to do it, Amanda. Okay, so first... Amanda or Sammy. Okay, so here we have Pickles, Kobe, uh, Wesley, Damon, and let's throw in Porter just to have him even five. Um, first, if one or both of you can describe who they are just like based on their age, origin, maybe like breed and like current health status. Don't get into their personality. First, just like give us like the dry facts. For each dog in, in that order, in order of age. Okay, okay. Pickles, oldest, white little musty one, blind. So what is she? She's a she's a Maltese shoe. Uh yeah. Shih Tzu Maltese. A nice little mix. Yeah. Yes. So she's blind. I don't think she's deaf. But yeah. Skinny. You can kind of feel her little ribs when you pet her. Yes. But that's new. Then Kobe's a little, you know, chunk, stubby legs. Need some help getting on the couch and up the stairs. Little what breed is he? Dash hound. Uh-huh. Dachshund. Hot dog. Kabasi. That's not a breed. <laughs> that <what> he is. <laughs> Who's next? Damon, Cocker Spaniel. Oh, little brown one. You leave some for me. Go ahead, Damon. Tell you what, boy. you do that, then you you give us like a little capsule review of each of their personalities. So okay. You finish the five dogs. Um, I don't know how old Damon is, but he's a little cutie. Long ears. Cocker Spaniel. <laughs> And Wesley, just a little overweight golden retriever with a white face. What about Porter? Oh, Porter, of course. Porter is, uh, I don't know what Porter is. Porter's a mix of everything. A little energetic little sucker when he's here, but calm when he's at his own place. What did she leave out, Amanda? Describe each dog, to be clear, because the people don't know. Okay. Pickles? And you can, you can talk some history, too. Yeah. Okay. So Pickles was... Our history, yours, yeah. Pickles was the first dog that we got. Um, talking about Raph and I's history, we grew up with um, a Westie. I've talked, of, I've talked about uh, affixing fluffy. diapers onto Fluffy. Yeah, The, the yeah. feeling of cutting yeah. out the tail holes. Yes, and feeling yes. The, the sticky, the dry <laughs> we ha- That was our responsibility before going on the bus in the morning. That's right. That's yes. Right. Um, yeah. So before, uh, and there was also Thumper, yep, of course. Fluffy and Thumper. So when Thumper had passed, was Bernard, you know. it was actually um, Pickles was the replacement <laughs> for Thumper, um, and uh, Pickles was still around while Fluffy was alive. So on her last leg. Anyways, all the dogs here fear Pickles. Pickles is the queen. She's the she's the head bitch. She's the head bitch, queen bee. Okay. Um, bitch, as it were. Yep. Kobe, uh, however, bottom of the chart. I think that no one respects <laughs> that man. I Kobe think reminds that... me of like character actors from the 70s in American <laughs> cinema. You know, he's like, he's cool. Like he's a loser and he's low in society. But he's like the one who's like, oh, come on, man. What the fuck do you want from me? I'll get your money next Tuesday. He's like the very average looking guy. For, like, you ever watch movies from the 70s mm. where it's like the dirt, like all the movies in America from the 70s are like kind of like dirty and, mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. they have like, yeah. like 
people who look like real people in them. Mm -hmm. Like Kobe's human equivalent is like fucking, uh, you know, like Danny DeVito or like someone from the, the original taking of Pelham one, two, three, where it's like, ah, ah, this was my day off. Now I gotta do this. Ah, fuck. You know who Kobe like, reminds me of? Who? Bobby, is it? From Sopranos? Oh, Bobby Bacala. <laughs> that is Kobe. Sure, sure, I could see that. But he also has Polly Walnut's qualities because he's so loud. He's like, ah, well, you, you gotta fucking lift me up onto the couch over here, you know? Hey, Tom. Yeah. I don't want to fucking yeah. go into my golden ears and have to walk up my own couch. Mm-hmm. You, know, you gotta help. Hey, Tom. Because he's needy. Bobby Bacala is is like. Uh, compared to the other gangsters, like kind and unassuming. But Co- I see that in Kobe. But Kobe's but very needy. His needy. defining yes. trait is that yes. he's needy. Yes, exactly. So that's Kobe. Wesley. Bad energy. No. Wesley is just, I feel like he's searching for something and he can't find it on a constant basis. I think that he, Why is, is he the way lost. He is? I don't know. Why is he always whinnying pathetically? I don't Why is he know. always making inexplicable, inexplicable and kind of mysterious guttural noises? Yeah. He wants love. That's all. Does he In not get form? it? What's his he love does. language? What's his love language? <laughs> Physical touch. <laughs> no, but that's not enough. It's weird. It's perverse. He's always like... Hur, 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 yeah, he's hur, out of hur, breath hur. with it. He's exhausted from it. Can I it. say something? This morning, as we get to... to so, um, you know, we're getting ready to go on our little Mother's Day um, uh, trip uh, uh, this morning and afternoon, which is lovely. We went to a little, a little uh, orchid or whatever. Went to a little... But as we were getting ready in the morning, Amanda first arrived and uh, I, I vaguely sensed that you were here. The girls were bringing in flowers. I heard, you know, patter here and there. But um, I was in the bathroom downstairs. I came up upstairs. I just kind of looked around and like there was like a violence, like someone like pushed me and I went, Ugh! and it was Porter just fucking rushing into me and colliding into me. It made me upset. He has to stop doing that. All right, that's Porter to me. It's just he's he always excited. attacks me and hurts me first thing when he comes over. You want to talk about Porter? Who's Porter? Because he's different from the rest. Porter is my child. Um, he belongs to Matt and I. But like he took my... the wind out of me. I was like, <laughs> you know, it was a lie. And it like made me up like too upset for you know when like something that's not worth it when it's like a child or a dog it makes you like too upset for a split second where it's because it's too intentional. <laughs> No, it's fine. It's fine. But it was like that because, like, I was so not expecting it, and it was early, and I was like tired, and I was like, "Oh, shoot. oh you know, okay, yeah, <laughs> let's go for the rest of the day." It was like that. You ever experienced that? Yeah. So it was. Yeah. But. I think that he. <laughs> he's, little, he's a little puppy, but. Uh, yeah. I think that he is trapped, and I often feel so guilty. This is like something Isn't that lives. A, it takes up a lot of rent you pride in my head. yourself on like on like. Uh, mentoring your animals or whatever you want to call it he should stop attacking me mm-hmm. all right yes maybe he's nose blind because he should <laughs> smell my alpha hair uh, pheromones but he still attacks me mm-hmm. what say you 
I think that Steve. I am limiting his energy living in a one bedroom apartment because when he comes so to mom's house, he energy. gets, he, yeah, he gets, up. he's even yeah. Sammy said it because she came over a couple days ago. She was like, he's so different at mom's house. I think he feels trapped in our one bedroom apartment. And I, I feel it takes up so much space in my head sometimes, the guilt of having him live in a, a small apartment. Because I okay, think that's, that's okay, that's good. That's a yeah. good excuse. <laughs> I think it is what it is. No, I, I, I find that very convincing. Yeah. So just in summary, uh, pickles, very old, deaf, blind, kind of anorexic, multi-shaped, <laughs> moves around. I, I, I Manages I, them all. When I watch her move around, she like moves around the perimeter of a space with the carefulness of like an astronaut traversing the moon where it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, you know, well, she can barely see now. Yeah. There's Kobe, who who is a physically atrophied um, wiener dog, who's has a mouthful of rotted teeth and um, who terrible of, breath. Who often, yeah, who often will will bark, not often, constantly bark incessantly to have people lift him onto the couch, as opposed to going to the work of climbing up the stairs that were uh, <laughs> deliberately installed to help him get onto the couch. There's Wesley who is the somewhat overweight, um, not three-legged, but functionally three-legged golden retriever, who mm -hmm. kind of has the most sour and unpredictable sort of emotional, um, whatever you would call it, kind of demeanor of all the dogs. Uh, you have Damon, who's the one dog who like is still youthful and cool, but I kind of resent the fact that he's like, he thinks he's better than everyone. We didn't really talk about Damon, but like he he genuinely thinks he's people, and like he's never he never does the dog he doesn't have his any love language is quality time. Yeah. Only for Amanda, he has the dog <laughs> quality, because like from a dog, especially these dogs, because they cause so much trouble, they cause so much. Please listen, they cause so much mess. They cause so much stress. Yeah, I'm looking at you, uh, but um. <laughs> Not him specifically, but just, uh, but like I at least expect like, I, I want your approval, master. I know I just pissed on the floor and I'm bothering you constantly, but you're a master. Damon doesn't even think you're the master. Damon's like, you're not the master. I'm a human like you. I'm going to sit at the table. I'm going to sit here. When you come to pet me, I'm not even going to like put my tongue out and be like, oh, I'm so excited that you're petting me. I'm going to be like, that. yeah, I'm entitled to this. I'm entitled to sitting at the table. I'm entitled to you petting me. So like sometimes it's interesting. It's almost like I look at Damon and sometimes I like lightly dislike him the way I dislike people, which almost is respect to him. Cause it's <laughs> like, I respect his like intelligence enough that I'm like, oh yeah, cool man. You're kind of a dick. You I don't know? see that at all, but I am the special. You don't see where I'm coming from at all? He doesn't give me that. Well, because he loves you. Let's see. I, mean, it's, it's, I could see it a little from both points. You think I'm coming think from nowhere? No, I think he has a great heart, but I see why you think that. I'm not being deep. I'm not saying he's bad, but like, I'm saying he's, he's fucking entitled. He, he is, is so yeah. entitled. He's not like a dog. Yeah. A dog, like the first quality of a dog is like, well, that's I want people. you to, to give me validation, like master. But to me, Damon doesn't want, he doesn't even re uh, require validation. From no, anyone, I think he anything. loves attention. You think Damon loves attention? Yeah. Well, maybe, but he thinks he's entitled to it. Uh, no, that's he, all like, training. sits at the table and he's just yeah. like, mm, 
They yes. allowed it. Yeah. That's training. It's not just the table, though. Like, he's, like, he expects, he's the healthiest dog, emotionally and physically, and, and probably for the same reason. I'm just saying, like, he thinks people eat shit. That's yeah. all I'm saying. But that's training. Right? You should have okay, been in that kitchen. You, that's disrespectful. That's yeah. disrespectful is what I'm saying. But you can't complain about something that you didn't reinforce. And that is this house. What? What? Not you personally. I'm saying this house. No, no, you no. guys all say, oh, Dean no, was a no, brat. No. That's because you let him. No, it's, oh, it's, yeah, it's, not, it's not either they shit on the floor and they're constantly a nervous wreck or they look down on you. That It should be a good medium. I'm just saying, Damon, look, he's fine. Okay? He hasn't pissed on me. But he acts like he doesn't need anybody. Right. And I resent that in a dog. I resent that. Right. But you just like, you just put training in a black and white perspective. Why do you keep saying training? I'm not talking about the training. I'm talking about the result. Personality I'm is. I'm just judging the, the result. I'm not talking about training. I'm saying the result is that Damon seems like a fucking pompous prick. All right. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying he should be sent to hell. I'm just saying that's the vibe I get. Like, Damon looks at me, he's like, you're not shit, dude. Like, yeah, pet me if you want. Just because he doesn't respect you. And where does that lead back to? <laughs> training. What do you mean by that training? Like, I have to train him? What are you trying to say? When you adopt a dog or buy a dog, that is all part of training. It's not about just having them learn how to Oh, I see. Outside. So you're saying it's not your fault, it's mom's fault. Yes. I think you didn't rectify it. I think you made Damon... He's yours. He's in your thrall, but he doesn't respect other people. Yes, I agree with that. But all the other dogs are not the same. The other (laughs) dogs. I had to leave and live my life. (laughs) But I'm just saying, yeah, all dogs are products of every living organism is. But I'm just saying, we all have to be judged at some point. (laughs) And Damon is kind of a prick, in my opinion. So, like having outlined the five dogs, starting with with you, Sammy, then Amanda, then me. Describe, name each dog and describe them in one word. And let's do like Pickles, Kobe, Wesley, Damon, Porter. One word each dog. Or who's who's ready let's to go first? Let's pick one dog and go around then do it that way. So Pickles. Maybe it's just like a queen. Bitch. Boss, I have the most respect for her. Mm-hmm. She, in, in many ways, she causes me the most pain. <laughs> um, when I lived here as as a, as a pre college child and young adult, and and when I was here before I moved out, when I when I have visited here, she's the one who instigates the cacophonous, horrendous barking sounds. Yes, she does. She's the one who pisses everywhere. Yep. But I respect her because she just kind of does her own thing, and she is the boss, and she can't really help the fact that like she has these responses or that she can't control her bladder it's like she's just kind of she doesn't ask me of anything really no yeah she's just kind of this maniac who's this animal this maniac animal who's trying to survive and like she's the smallest and the meekest but she's established her dominance nonetheless she's not like a depression or anxiety case like all the other big lumbering <laughs> men, dogs who are here, I respect her the most. So my word is boss. Mm-hmm. I have like, I yeah, like a, like pickles. You make me upset. 
cut. <laughs> Alright, so Kobe. Uh, there. <laughs> like, he's just there! He just said! He's just wow, always right around. There. Like, if I'm feeding the dogs, I know he, where he's gonna be on the couch. There. Okay, but like, needy. Yeah, yeah. Like, if I'm feeding the dogs, I know exactly where Kobe is, and I know in two seconds I'm gonna have to go to the couch and pick him up and put him on the floor. Like, he's predictable. I know him. What's your word? Oh, I she feel said like those there. are my words. She said there. There, fine. What's Mine's needy. Needy? You know? Apathy. <laughs> not apathy. I'm going to say the word that springs to mind is peasant. But the thing with Kobe is that, yes, he is obviously the definition of needy. But it doesn't have, like, the weirdly... Like kind of like emotional neediness of Wesley, like to me Kobe, it's very practical, where he's like, ha ha, put me on the couch or ha ha, pet me, but it's like very practical. It's not like, like with Buddy, there's like almost like a weird like, <sighs> it's like there's like a like a like a libidinal quality to it. Whereas Kobe's just like, you should put me on the couch. Come on, come on. He's like the yeah. guy. He's like the guy at the bar who's like, come on, spot me a drink. Why can't you spot me a drink? You know, does that make any sense? Yeah. He's just kind of like the crabby bum. I'm going to say bum for Kobe. He's a <laughs> bum. Like, he's he is needy, but not in, like, necessarily the emotional sense. In, like, the practical, um, what do you call it? Like, like material sense. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, he's the guy who's always trying to, like, ask you to lend him money. That's what it is. Yeah. Right? Does that, does that track it Right. All? Right. Nothing like, emotional. Like, yeah, he doesn't want emotional be, validation. He wants that bond. Yeah, he's like, come on! Just lend me two bucks. Come on, mm -hmm. buy me a cheeseburger. Bah! It's like, shut the fuck up, Kobe. Fine. God damn yeah, it. Yeah, buddy's like, I need yeah. your validation. I love you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not like weirdly emotional. It's just like, he's always, he's he's the guy who's always asking you for something. Mm -hmm. But it's not like a relationship thing. It's just yeah, like a guy who's always asking like, for a favor. Yeah, and you want your pet him. Yeah. Thanks, cutie. Look, Kobe's great. That's just my answer. <laughs> Next dog. Wesley. Flustered. I think Anxious. He's, yeah. Mess. <laughs> we got those quick. <laughs> Maybe you should take the floor on this one. I think Since that we he, all seem to be on the same page. He just adds to my anxiousness. Yeah, like my I other come word would be, be emergency. Right. Like I come into the house. You, you and said he just, earlier before we recorded that he makes you uncomfortable. He does. I think that it's just his like First of all, he breathes like <gasps> like he's in panic. Yeah, like he goes up to you like when he wants you to pet him, it's there's an obscenity to it. It yes. feels obscene because it feels like it's not just petting. It's like he's overexerting he's himself. He's on the verge of something. Yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. I am I'm utilizing all I got. So if you don't it's give always, me this. He has this vibe where bad. it's like he's always on the verge of both dying and yeah. having an orgasm. <laughs> yeah. And it's like it's like unsettling. It's like, <laughs> yeah. He like, yeah. He like rams into you. Always yeah. so excited and I just can't Too excited. handle that. But like an excitement that's like laced with yes. like it makes you uneasy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I don't need that from a dog. No. I that enough from people. Yeah. Right, right, right. Poor baby. But yeah, bless his heart. Yeah, I feel bad for him. Remember, remember I was here last summer and we, it was a group effort to shave him? Yeah, he literally had to go to the emergency room because he got groomed. His stomach flipped because he was nervous. He was well, so Well, that was anxious. a few years ago, but yeah. I'm saying when I was just here last summer and we had that session <laughs> yeah. where we were trying to shave his hair off. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
Unreal. He's got yeah. a muffin top on his ass. I never oh. thought that was a thing. Yeah, it like folds over. Muffin Burger top on top. his ass. Wow. Muffin top on his ass. That's Wesley. Another hoe oh, coming down. It's like, sexy. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. We could just insert a photo of it like zooming in and out on his muffin top ass. <laughs> That's right. He just looks out and muffin top on his ass. All right. Damon. Damon's like a dog. Like a A-W-G type of dog. He's a lover. Wow. What a... Dog is what you say. Like, <laughs> like dog, you know what I'm saying? What, like he's like a hood rat? What the no, hell is I think Damon's like player? cool. Like if I was a dog, I would love to be a dog like Damon. I think Damon's like, you know. Damon's what he's doing. Damon's grounded. Fiend. I yeah. would say fiend. <laughs> Calculating fiend. I respect him. I think that he is. I respect him. He has bonded to me. I respect him. I just and... think he's, um, mm-hmm. I just think he views me with contempt. You're not his person. A dog doesn't have one person. <laughs> I think he does. But that's what's so sick about him. <laughs> he has an unhealthy fixation on you. He's like, I don't know how it happened. Like in the he Dis- imprinted on me. <laughs> like in the Disney movie, if you were to die, he would have like the chamber where it's like he has like this like frozen mural to you where it's like, yeah. ah yes, my Amanda. But then he takes out his pain on everyone else in the world, and he's the villain. I know. Like, Mom should let him live his life with me. That's We'll see, save that for another podcast. No, see, this is the origin story for the villain that is Damon. <laughs> he's pissed about it. It's, but you're a part of it. You're complacent. I am. Uh, all right, Porter. One word. <laughs> squirrel? Squirrel? Yes. He gives you a squirrel. Justify that. Like, yeah, maybe it is the connection. I know you name your squirrels outside, but like, he is like super chill. Like, sometimes he's just chilling at your place, but he comes here and it's just like, squirrel. Like, he's just like always, <laughs> like, pouncing. That's it. Uh, you can go last since he's <laughs> The one that comes to mind, it's not very original. The first thing I thought was, was excitable because he, he, I've never seen Porter in a state of just hanging out. Wow. See, but at your place, that's, that's all he is. is. I've never seen that. Whenever I've seen him, he's always like kind of on. Yeah, and I've never is. seen him just kind of like laying on a couch wow, or just weird. being passive. My ex- my experience of Porter is always he's like alert. He's, 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 he's sniffing out the next thing, or he's jumping on somebody, or he's scratching something. I've never seen him in like a passive state that I can remember. But that that comes as a surprise to you. Yes, very. Really, he's extremely timid. Timid? At home, he's timid. He's he likes to be left alone, and I think that adds to my guilt because I'm. But like, whenever he's here, is he not like constantly like chewing on something or jumping all over the place? He's very active. I yeah. just mean like like a dog just kind of like laying on the couch for a while. No, that's all he does when he's home. Yeah, he crawls under your blankets. Why does that make you feel bad? Because I don't know if that's his actual personality. I think that his true personality shines here. I think that's because I don't give him that space to. Well, it's probably because this is a foreign and a more foreign environment, so he's more yeah. active. I, I assumed it was because he was younger, but like, 
Yeah, like I've never had a moment with Porter where he's just kind of like, I'm on the couch. Oh, hey, yeah, I'm on the couch too. <laughs> like he's always like on something, right? It, no, yeah. Does, Here is he's very... Sammy? Like, no, no. Guy? I've seen him in both places and he has super chill at your place, like crawls under blankets, like super cutie. And then here's just but then he just like him. lays there and like if like someone sits yeah, next to like, him he doesn't yeah move. under He's the like, blanket he yeah do he doesn't even care about people really? at home yeah he maybe that's just me Look, i'm here the least I'm, I'm by far here the least i mean my perspective is is inaccurate but yeah. why do you look so sad i was just thinking you didn't ask me what my one word for porter is oh what's your word home Aww. I think that he is the dog that I need. I love Damon with all of my heart, but he does add to my guilt and anxiety immensely. I feel like when I'm apart from him, I know that I'm the most important person to him, and that makes it so hard for me because I can actually conceptualize what he's going through. And I think ever since I went away to school when he was two years old, I've carried that with me throughout the years because obviously I had to live and make a life for myself outside of my dog. Yes. <laughs> like I couldn't just, but but obviously he's a family dog, but he had imprinted on me and I had to live my life as a child of the house. And I think that that's why I take up to my apartment and let him visit. And when he's there, I spoil him because I'm like, oh, my God, like, I know you want to be my dog, but you're not. And it carries throughout and it makes me feel horrible. But Porter is a dog that he could care less. <laughs> and he's just happy with the the love I give him. I don't feel like I am giving him out of guilt. I don't feel like I'm giving it from a place of like needing it to be uh, last for a while so that he feels good like so it's very different and i think that porter is the kind of dog i need where like a needy dog just adds to my already anxious being right well i mean that kind of ties into our earlier discussion of any emotional exchange or relationship necessarily has some degree of anxiety mm -hmm. ease, especially when you are kind of playing the parental role. You feel and responsible, also, yeah. Yeah, and also we're recording this on Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. You know, imagine that blown up by a thousand. Right. And you can relate to our own mother. You know, right. That's a beautiful sentiment that you just described. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think that's a great note to end on. Um, do you guys have anything you want to plug? Any, any social media pages? Yeah, thanks for having us. If you're interested in horse therapy, check out greatstridesli.org. <laughs> you can find a man of under the counseling program anytime, Thursday through Saturday. There you go. Sammy, <laughs> anything? Your TikTok? I'm Maybe. all good. A little shmoney moves if you want to look me up on TikTok. There you go. That's a SH. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's right. Hey, folks, if you want to support me, uh, and, and really, I consider, like, if you want to become one of my parents, I consider all of my patrons my parents. Head on over to patreon.com slash feelingwell. For just $5 a month, you will get access to a uh, bonus premium episode uh, every Thursday, in addition to our uh, access to our vast archive. And uh, guys, uh, always a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Of course. This was Sister Roundtable. Sister, sister. Sister, sister! Oh, also, I forgot to mention, uh, follow the... Uh, you guys already know, whatever. Oh, look good, Damon's here. Ruff, ruff, ruff. What do you got to say, Damon? Ooh. Ah, ruff, ruff, ruff. <laughs> I just have nothing to say. Bye. Yeah. 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 Yeah.